0: Friends, let's open in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Uh, If you were here last week, you remember that Tim Burden preached on prayer from Psalm 37. And it was hugely convicting to me because it reminded me of the spiritual discipline of stillness in prayer. And the more Tim talked from Psalm 37 about this spiritual discipline of stillness before the Lord in prayer, the more I realized how much work it is to be quiet and still before the Lord. It takes a ton out of us to quiet our hearts, quiet our minds before God. Well, this week we're going to continue to dig into prayer, and we're going to do that. We're going to experience a few things about prayer that we will then apply to our own prayer lives from what I think is the most extraordinary prayer in the Bible. We're going to walk with Jesus into the darkest hour of human history, and we are going to listen to the rawest, most honest, most heartfelt, biblical, excruciating prayer you will ever hear from human lips. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, the Son of God, begs God for mercy. And God the Father says, no. Let's read that account in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, He came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this is a wild invitation into prayer, and I pray for our prayer lives. I pray that you would give us the heartfelt honesty of Jesus in this prayer, and I pray that we learn from your Son what it looks like to approach you even when you say no. Would you do that in our midst, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we know the setting of this scene very well. We know that Jesus, before he got here, he was in the upper room with his disciples. He spoke to them, he prayed for them, and then he served the Lord's Supper that we're going to observe today for the very first time for his disciples. He goes from there with them to the Mount of Olives, and when he gets to this garden, he leaves eight of his disciples behind, and he brings his three closest with him further on. Now I think all of us struggle with the humanity of Jesus. We see Jesus in the Gospels performing miracles, we see him reading people's minds, we see him able to do things we aren't able to do, and and we see him as fully God, but sometimes it's hard to see him as a fully human being, which he was, both in the same right, But I think Matthew's account of this story helps us see the full humanity of Jesus. Look at verse 38. This is what Jesus tells his closest friends in the world. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Christian, Has your soul ever been so grieved it feels like you're dying? That's Jesus in this moment in the garden. And it's in his sorrow that he doesn't want to be alone. He brings all of his disciples, he brings three of his disciples even closer to him to share in his sorrow. He leaves them, even the three. He goes a little further on. He falls down on his face. And in verse 39, he prays this. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I think that's one of the most profound, excruciating prayers in the Bible. But there's actually a little bit of a problem here when we read what Matthew says that Jesus says. Because if you flip over to Mark, Mark actually has a different prayer, similar but different, that Jesus prays. You've got Matthew's account, and you've got Mark's account, and they're not exactly the same. So you've got Matthew in front of you, look at verse 39 that I just read, and I'll read for you what Mark says that Jesus said in this first prayer. He says that Jesus says, Mark 14, 36, Abba, Father, all things are possible for for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see those two? They're, they're very similar, but they're different. So is Matthew right or is Mark right? Did the Bible get sloppy at this critical moment and not give us what was precisely, historically, factually said from Jesus to the Father in this moment of prayer? I actually think there's a very simple answer for how Matthew has his account and Mark has his account. And the answer is, they're both right. When Jesus prayed this prayer on his face before the Father, he didn't say it one time. He said it again and again and again. Father, if it be possible, Abba, Father, I know that all things are possible. Let this cup pass. I beg you, remove this cup, yet not as I will, but as you will, yet not what I will, but what you will. Again and again and again, Jesus asked, he begged, he pled, he called upon the sovereignty of God to stay his hand of wrath and to show his son mercy. Again, And again, he asked this. Now, I want us to pause here and see that this is a biblical, important prayer for every Christian to learn to pray. When in our lives, we see God's sovereign hand forming dark terrors in the shadows in store for us, We as Christians can say in all honesty, Father, I don't think I can do that. Would you let this cup pass from me? Would you let this cancer pass from me? Let this addiction, let this trial, let these circumstances pass from me. I don't think I can do this it's not a lack of faith to ask God to stop what he's doing to spare you. In fact, we're reading it here and now that our Heavenly Father invites these kinds of prayers. It's a tremendous act of faith to run to your Heavenly Father and say, you're hurting me, and I don't think I can do this. Last week from Psalm 37, we learned a very important biblical one-word prayer that every Christian can pray, and that is, help. Help me. I'm hurting. Help me. And this week, from Matthew 26, we learn another biblical one-word prayer. Stop. Father, I beg you, stop what you're doing. It's hurting me. Jesus prays this. He goes back and he finds his friends. They've fallen asleep. He rebukes them. And then he comes back to where he was. And he prays this a second time. Verse 42. Again, for a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Why does Jesus pray a second time? Have you ever wondered that? He just prayed it, and according to Matthew and Mark, he probably prayed it several times in that one prayer season, and then he leaves, and then he comes back. Why would he pray again? He's hardly given God enough time to answer him. What's happening here with Jesus? I want to speculate that Jesus, even Jesus, feared that the Father didn't hear him the first time. And that it warranted a second prayer. The reason I speculate, the reason I think that, is because Jesus will go on to say many things on the cross. But according to Matthew, who tells this story, he only records one thing from the lips of Jesus on the cross that he said. And that is this, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus feels and he fears the father's absence. He doesn't know if God heard him the first time. And he asks a second. I was actually driving in the car with my son the other day. And I probably had the worst conversation a father who is a pastor can have with his son on prayer. It's one of those ones where you kind of want to redo but basically in the middle of nowhere, we're driving down the street and I turn to my son and I say, do you ever worry when you're praying that your prayers, they just don't reach further than the ceiling? Like you're praying and asking and begging and no one's on the other end listening? And my son said, yeah, I feel that way. And I said, yeah. I do too. And that was it. (laughs) That was our whole conversation on prayer. I had nothing else to add to that, which was beautiful in its own right and terrible in that moment. But here is Jesus. He is perfect. He is sinless. He enjoys a communion with his heavenly father we couldn't even imagine. And he repeats himself in prayer. In case you didn't catch this, Father, I'm going to say it again. Jesus does it a second time. He goes back to his disciples. Surprise, surprise, they're sleeping. He doesn't even bother to wake them this time. And then, verse 44, I don't think I quite noticed this before. I kind of knew the general scene, but it didn't strike me the way it struck me this time. So leaving them again he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. Father, 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 take this cup. If you're able, take this cup. I want us to see the anguish of Jesus. He comes face to face with the prospect of having to drink the cup of God's wrath, and in his humanity, he wants to make extra, extra, extra sure that he must drink it to the dregs. That's powerful. As wild as it is to see Jesus ask the same thing three times over, And I think as important it is for us to see that we too have an invitation to go to our Heavenly Father and be enduring and repetitive in our prayers for the same things, I actually want us to see something different in this passage. The Son begged the Father three times to stop, And three times the Father says or implies no. And Jesus doesn't ask a fourth. No plus no plus no. At least according to Jesus here and now means no from his heavenly Father. Jesus is going to say and pray other things up to and on the cross but he never again asks that he would be spared the cross. Once he owned the answer no from his father, he didn't ask for that same thing again. Isn't that interesting? When you think about Jesus' threefold request and threefold denial, it actually makes us think of another time in our Bibles when somebody begged God for something three times, and three times God rejected that prayer request. Can you think of that instance in our Bibles? It's, of course, the Apostle Paul with the thorn in his flesh. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul famously asked God three times, will you take this thorn in the flesh from me? We have no idea what that thorn was. We have all kinds of speculation. I've heard everything from commentators and pastors from like a physical handicap or an ailment like nearsightedness all the way to a besetting sin like masturbation. And I've heard everything in between. We have no idea what this thorn in the flesh, this messenger from Satan to torment torment Paul was, All we know was that it was so bad that Paul begs God, please, stop. You're hurting me. This thing is hurting me, and I know you have the power to take it. Will you take it from me? And three times God answers, maybe audibly, maybe in his heart, maybe a perception, maybe from a friend, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Three requests, three denials, and we get the impression Paul never asked for the same thing again. He may have asked other things around the thorn. He may have asked for help. He may have asked for grace. He may have asked for strength, but we get the impression he does not ask a fourth time for God to take away the thorn. If we're pulling these two stories together, Jesus and Paul, I want us to be very careful about what we're saying when no from our Heavenly Father means no. This is important. We want to know when to persist in prayer and when to change our prayers. So this is really important. There are times and places we are encouraged in our Bibles to pray earnestly and constantly and and enduringly for things, even when it feels like God is saying no to us. In fact, Jesus told two parables to that effect that I actually think are really funny parables. I think these are two of the funniest parables that Jesus ever told, and they're about consistency in prayer. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus said praying consistently for something is kind of like this. There were two men. One was at home. He was in bed for the night. He didn't want to get out of bed. Another man comes to his house. He knocks on the door and says, Can I please have bread? He's shouting through the door. And the man in bed says... (laughs) Absolutely not. I'm in bed. My kids are in bed. I'm not getting up and giving you bread. No way, no how. Well, the man keeps banging on the door. Can I have bread? Can I have bread? Can I have bread? Until finally, the man in bed, he gets up. He gets a loaf of bread. He pitches it out the front door and sends the man away. And Jesus says, my heavenly father is like the man in bed. (laughs) If he says no to you, Keep banging on the door, and eventually, he'll answer you. Isn't that funny? I think that's a funny parable. Luke chapter 18, just seven chapters later, we get a very similar parable. We get a story about a judge who doesn't respect God, he doesn't care for anybody, but you've got this widow who comes to him and asks for justice, which he says no. And she comes again. And he says no, and she comes again, and he says no. And every day the persistent widow comes to the godless judge, and he says no, 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 until he finally says to himself, I don't care about God, I don't respect people, I'm not interested in, ju- in justice, but I quote, I will give her justice so that she will not Beat me down by her continual coming. And Jesus says, that's what my father is like. (laughs) He's a judge that will do right for the elect if they cry for justice day and night. So there are places in our Bibles that encourage persistent, obnoxious, Day and night repetitive prayers. And many of us in this room can testify to the fruit of that. We've asked for something again and again and again. We have endured in prayer and after years of asking we have seen miracles we've seen healings, we've seen liberation, we've seen a change in circumstances maybe 10, 20, 30 years down the road from our requests. Praise God for that. That's incredible. That is an invitation from the Lord to do these things. But that's not the theme that occurs between Jesus and Paul in these dark moments when they sense that they're getting a loud and clear no, they don't stop praying to the Lord. They just think of something else to ask for. They pray plan B prayers, if you will. My first choice, Lord, take this cup from me. Lord, take this thorn out of my flesh. And if God says no, Jesus then prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Paul prays with the Lord, make yourself faithful and show me that your grace is sufficient even in my weakness. Friends, I want to tell you that there is incredible power and liberty in plan B prayers. They sound like a cop-out but they can free you in your relationship with the Lord. Some of us are stuck with plan A prayers only, and we've been there for a long, long time in our relationship with the Lord. Plan A prayers sound something like this. All of us have prayed these things. God... I fight this addiction every day. It feels like all day. If you would just reach down and grab it out of my life, I mean the roots, I mean the stem, the branches, the thorns, and rip it from me, I would be free to love you and serve you. God, I'm angry With my kids, they just wear me down. And you say that a fruit of the Spirit is patience and you can give it liberally. What if I woke up to morning and you gave me a triple portion of your patience? I would be a completely different parent. Give it to me. I need it. God, I'm waiting to hear biopsy results. And I'm telling you, I can't do this right now. I can't face that. Will you heal my body? God, how can I possibly serve you as I ought when you have hardwired me with depression and anxiety? God, if I just had a different job, If I had a different house, if I had a different spouse, if I had a different set of circumstances, I would be free to serve you and love you all of my days. You have prayed these things. I have prayed these things. All of these are biblical-ish prayers. Pray them. Pray them earnestly, pray them with faith, get other friends to join you in prayer just like Jesus did. God will answer yes to some of these prayers and it will all be by grace and it will all be for his glory. But remember this, Christian. God may very well say no again and again and again. And when he does, and he will, do you have other prayers that you can pray? Do you have a plan B prayer? God, my addiction, my anger, my apathy, it's still here. I know you can take it from me, but you haven't taken it from me. It's still here. Help me walk with a limp. Make me a person who is quick to confess and know that you forgive me. God, I begged you. I begged you for a healthy body. I fasted. I prayed. I asked in faith that you would heal me. And you said, no. I'm going to need you now more Then I needed you when I was healthy. Will you walk with me in this? God, I don't understand why I'm wired with depression. That's an easy thing for you to solve. I don't see any possible good that can come from days that I don't feel like I can get out of bed. If I can't see the good in that, Will you help me see the good in you? Will you walk with me not just on the good days when I'm happy, but on the deep, dark days in the valley of the shadow of death? If we sense God's no or no for now, and we begin to pray these other things that he offers to us freely, We're going to hear the Lord say to us, as he said to Paul, My grace is sufficient even when I tell you no. It's going to cover your weakness. It's going to cover your besetting sin. It's going to cover your apathy. And you're going to learn a new communion with me than if I had taken the thing away in the first place. Praise God that he is tender with us even when he says no. Let's pray together. Father, sometimes when I read the book of Psalms, uh, I think there are more no's than yes's. I think there's more time in certain places seeing what's not at hand than seeing what is. And that's a perfect reflection of my own prayer life. You don't do things according to the way that I think you should do them. You don't free me from the things that I think w- would exponentially increase my Christian life and the fruit that I could bear. You bring me very low in these moments Where I ask in faith and you say, No. Would you teach all of us what it looks like to draw ever nearer to you in those moments, to receive your no and to pray for the good things that you promised to do in hard times, to bear patience? and endurance, and hope, and faith, so that we might look more and more like your son, Jesus, not just in his resurrection, but look like your son, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do that in our midst. Do that in our church, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.